Welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, attempting to get that weird stain out of the center of his stairwell, a reference that only people who have seen the new Halloween movie, Halloween Ends, will understand. It's Hunter Heilman. Hi. Welcome back. Why was that so low energy? Oh, my God. Uh, Hi. Hi. It's been a Uh, while. It has. Yeah. Interesting how I'm not the one who controls that. Happy spooky season. Um, I'm taking it in as much as I can this time. I feel like fall is following more than it usually falls. So, like, I'm trying to. I'm trying to take that in a little bit more this year because are, are, are you one of those people who's also doing those like like this year I'm doing a like you got to watch 31 horror movies in the month or at least 31 like a horror adjacent things. No. I asked the guest last week this question, but I know you're much more of a horror connoisseur. So like, is it just like a normal month for you? It's just, it's just kind of a normal month. It's just new stuff comes out. Um, I'll be honest, I've been a little busy uh yes. with a lot of shit so uh haven't really been able to like sit down and watch a shit ton of stuff i caught up on all of the relevant halloween movies i did needed for this and that's kind of been it in terms of like sitting down and like being like i'm gonna watch a horror movie because like let's be real here that could happen any month of the year <laughs> that feeling can come over me not when it's you know october so this week we have uh i would say a a pretty major horror movie to discuss uh last year around this time had you on and we talked halloween kills and now we have we fought about it i'd I'd say we had a a robust discussion about it i I could have a different (laughs) conversation now about halloween kills not in that my opinion has changed on the quality of it but i do think like there's just this whole thing when i was re-watching it recently there was a part of me where i was like oh this is kind of cringe like a little bit but then i realized i was like i don't know if it's supposed to be but it really works that way in the sense of like you know okay cool this like evil dies tonight shit is like stupid <laughs> but then i was like you know this movie came out before let's go brandon became a huge thing and you know what Never, I think David Gordon Green really saw how suburban Americans will really latch on to the closest stupid catchphrase (laughs) to parrot from an angry white dude in lieu of critical thinking. And maybe he was a genius for that. I gotta be honest, I don't really remember much about Halloween Kills. It's just sort of a thing that I know I definitely saw, but I could, could could not probably tell you like five things that happened in that movie. It is Halloween 2018 part two with a lot more violence. And then they try to do like a mob violence thing with it of like, That's they're trying right. to find Michael. And then this one is like, just in a whole nother fucking world. Just in, I, oh God. I mean, yeah. So this know- is, this is the, the, I guess third movie in the most recent, like David Gordon green reboot trilogy yeah. sequel i do you do you think do you think of it as like a legacy sequel trilogy or like a quadrology with the the first halloween movie um 
that obviously this is like D- Danny McBride and um, David Gordon Green kind of like rebooted the franchise in 2018. And then Halloween Kills was the follow up last year. And now this movie, Halloween Ends, is sort of the, the third movie in their new series they've created that brought back Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, I, I think if you want to hear our thoughts on kind of like the wider Halloween franchise, just go back and listen to the episode from last year on Halloween. Kills. Yeah, my opinions, my opinion on uh, on Halloween Resurrection has not changed. No, so. no, 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 no. I, 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 we go through the the that this is a franchise that has like some really high highs and like the floor to ceiling ratio between like Resurrection at the bottom and like the original at the top. Yeah, seventy eight pretty still, wide. Um, seventy eight still hands down the best one. So I saw this a couple nights ago and I think pretty immediately texted you that like I was going to be really, really fascinated what your thoughts were. Yeah, and then I told you to shut the fuck up (laughs) because I was I okay, so I was so good. I was so good on Thursday morning. I so I muted all of the words on Twitter, which actually I need to unmute them. I forgot I muted them. There's some pretty great Um, memes now. Yeah, uh, I muted everything and then also uh, at a point, I just blocked Twitter and like kept myself off Rotten Tomatoes and stuff because I decided I wanted to go in blind to this mm-hmm. because I I knew it probably wasn't going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. But I saw some people being like, it takes some big swings. And I was like, ooh, but is this going to like, you know, is this going to like bring people back? So like, let me go in. Let me like, let me have an organic moment, which I haven't had in a movie in like 15 years, probably. And then I will check everything afterwards. So then I saw it. And I had a grand fucking time. And I immediately texted people. I immediately went on Twitter. And I immediately opened Rotten Tomatoes. And I was very surprised to find (laughs) that not many people were feeling the same way. Uh, This is a fight I think I might be fighting alone. I, I think it's safe to say that, like, I don't think you and I are going to disagree on, like, our takes on this movie, but I think the things that, like, myself and a lot of other people kind of, like, rolled our eyes at, or or that maybe are didn't the things work, that I was like, like, yeah, you liked it. I was, like, the... going up. <laughs> I, I just, listen, there is nothing that I appreciate more in this world than sheer fucking audacity. Truly. And while I thought the the ending of Halloween Kills had some audacity to it, it was a little bit of it. But, like, when I saw that fucking Season of the Witch credits font at the beginning, oh. as opposed to the, the ones from the first two, I knew, oh, he's doing some, he's he, this little sneaky bitch, he's doing something. <laughs> This little wiggly little fifty something year old man so, and the dude from Pineapple Express are doing something fucking sneaky here. And I was just I don't know. I just knew I knew from that opening scene I was like, we're doing something different. Uh and while kind of pushing that into the finale of the franchise or mm-hmm. the Lestrode saga, if you will. You know, kind of doing both of those things at once can kind of feel a little crowded. 
Again, I would so much rather see, maybe doesn't stick all of its landings, but tries to do a million and a half different flips Mm -hmm. than someone who comes out on the floor, does one flip and sticks it perfectly. Yeah, so I'll I'll go ahead and give kind of a warning of like, I think because of the very vague marketing for this movie that like really showed nothing from the movie. Like I went back and like most of the trailers are just sort of it is, clips from it's malignant syndrome. Yeah. Um truly. So we're we're gonna have to like most of the trailers that I went back and watched like have clips from the Carpenter movie and like the other David Gordon Green movies, like have very little footage from this movie. So yeah. if you haven't seen this one and you're at all like nervous about spoilers i'm just going to give you the heads up that like we're we're going to be fully spoiling this movie in this conversation okay in the cool. sense we of like in the sense of like i don't think anything about this movie really has been sort was sort of like put forth in the marketing um no. but it is rel- readily available it is out in theaters you can watch it on peacock if you have the like peacock premium so it's it's not like it's hard to track down so i feel pretty fine with us just like bulldoze out of the gates talking about what this movie does because i would agree with you it does take a really extreme pivot and it was kind of interesting i saw this in like a pretty crowded like preview screening here in atlanta and to kind of like listen in to the audience's reactions and kind of like the just sort of atmosphere in the room as people kind of like figured out that this movie was kind of going down the path it was was a bit priceless um Let's start from the beginning. So this movie is largely set four years after the previous two Halloween movies, 2018 one and Halloween Kills that came out last year, Um, except for this. I think kind of the one part of the movie I really enjoyed is the sort of prologue to the movie, which has this sort of familiar scenario. I think it's set like a year after the the first movie. Um, Obviously, like the the town of uh what's the Haddonfield. town the Haddonfield. town of Haddonfield wow some host you are Holy I wanted shit. to say Hawkins but I was like that doesn't sound right no that's, that's that's the share or the uh the, that's the stranger things town well that's the stranger things town but also it's um the Will Patton's character Frank Hawkins the oh, deputy okay so, so like you're kind of you're in the you're in the ballpark I knew it started but with also an H. get the fuck out of here yeah I knew it started in an H and it's not really Indiana it's like Savannah Georgia but you know <laughs> I'm sorry what 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 state is what state is Haddonfield in it's in Georgia is, is it not in Indiana <laughs> I haven't gone through and watched all these movies like I have last year, so I don't have the mythology stri- fresh off the brain. It's Illinois. It's Illinois. It's Illinois? Okay. Well, yeah. um, in any case, so this movie opens with, um, I thought, a pretty like fun, subversive prologue in which we get this familiar scenario of a babysitter watching a kid on Halloween night. There is obviously the fear amongst the Haddonfield residents that, Michael Myers is still out there. These killings are fresh. It could happen again at any moment. And over the court, we get sort of the familiar beats of like, oh, where's the kid? The kid like won't answer the calls. Wait, what happened to this random knife that was sitting on the table? And our audience expectations, we've seen a bunch of these movies. We know where it's going. And there's kind of this subversive play where the 
sort of main 20 something babysitter uh named Corey that will become very important later on uh ends up accidentally killing this kid because he thinks that michael myers is in the house um and there was this like big raucous like laugh of relief um at this you know very, very darkly humorous scene that i think right off the bat kind of indicates even more so than that that font i think that you were mentioning earlier like that okay this is gonna be a very subversive halloween movie that is not kind of ironically unlike halloween kills which i think for better or for worse really sort of like plays the formula of what you'd expect from a halloween movie yeah and this one like it almost feels like the the complaint even i think i had of that previous movie was all right it kind of just feels like this was a sequel you guys made because the last one made so much money and there isn't really like a set take that you have for this it's just sort of like i don't know we'll just it'll be on the same night and we'll just have michael myers kill a few more people and it was an epilogue movie. to halloween 2018 yes and this movie, by sort of, like, a complete 180, feels like everyone went in with, like, a very, very specific take of how they wanted to conclude this most recent run of movies and sort of bring an end to the Laurie Strode story. And I think as we'll talk about, we're going to have some debate on how how well that <laughs> that clear take was, went. Um, but... It it does seem like they went in with a very, very specific, subversive idea for what to do with this most recent movie. And I think that kind of darkly funny opening sequence really, I think, to me, sort of indicated right off the back, like, okay, that this is they're gonna be playing against expectations. Yeah. Well, I mean, you also have to remember A, well, A, off the bat, that kid deserves it. Um, and B, <laughs> um, uh, you also have to remember, like, the last time that we ever made it far enough into a Halloween franchise before they just fucking restarted it, because every time they would try to redo it, they only made it, like, two things in. You have to remember the last time we had a Halloween 3. That is true. What Halloween 3 was. It was not what people expected. Now, granted, obviously, this, like has those threads of the expected in terms that it still has Michael Myers. It still has all of that. But there was a point, I would say probably about 25 minutes into this where I went, Holy shit. This is Christine. You know, I never thought about that, but now that's kind of in- inescapable. Like the dude's the, last the name is guy, Cunningham. He does even kind of look like the kid from Christine. Yeah, his last name's Cunningham. He has glasses, which are broken, and then when he loses his glasses, it's the sign of um that he's he is a now. Car mechanic. Yeah, it's he's so a car obvious mechanic. To me now. He kills someone <laughs> with the car. Um, and I am not complaining. I fucking love Christine. It's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite Carpenter movies. It's one of my favorite uh one of my favorite Stephen King things. Um also I knew that the Christine allegory was working because um because i was incredibly sexually attracted to that man and i was also incredibly sexually attracted to arnie and uh christine and i was like you know what y'all did y'all y'all got that right good i could fix him <laughs> so most of this movie... allison can't allison can't but i can i promise i can so most of this movie is actually set 
four years after the events of the most previous Halloween movies, and Haddonfield is still still reeling with that that trauma. Laurie Strode, still played by Jamie Lee Curtis, is overcoming that trauma. She's baking pies. With a new haircut. She's got a new haircut. She's writing a book. Though that book kind of sounds bad. I gotta be honest. There oh, some... it sounds like shit. <laughs> there were some oh. lines where I was like, oh, Lori, I hope you like backspace that sentence a little bit. This I better don't... be on Kindle Unlimited or something, because <laughs> if I paid for that, oh. Um, she's flirting with the the town sheriff down at the grocery store. Thing things just seem peaches and cream for her. Yeah, um, her do- her granddaughter's a nurse. Yes. And um then Lindsay has become a tarot card reader, which if you know anything about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, you know that Kyle Richards got to put in <laughs> Kyle Richards got to put in that bit of uh that bit of character development herself with Lindsay because that's just it it was just too perfect. It was too perfect. So as much as we bring up Laurie Strode, I would say Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of a little bit second fiddle in this movie and really most of the movie. But so- much more, much less of a second fiddle than she was in Halloween Kills, though. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, She's Halloween, Halloween Kills here. feels like we we got Jamie Lee Curtis for like a week. Yeah. Tops. Halloween Kills was like Judy Greer and Anthony Michael Hall's movie. Mm-hmm. And then like this one feels like rohan campbell slash andy batacek and also jamie lee curtis's movie like she's in it quite a bit and there's a lot more emotional like stuff going on with this one but there still is definitely kind of a a, still a different focus so i would say the majority of the movie focuses on this character that we meet in that kind of opening prologue Corey, who in the years since has become kind of the scapegoat for the town and everyone sort of like bullies him and treats him terribly and sort of blames him for the death of this kid, even though it was, you know, a freak accident and he's become this kind of recluse is living at home, working at his dad's garage until he, you know, he he's getting bullied by the local band kids who really seem like they run this town uh yeah so i don't know if you've ever actually met marching band kids before i was in marching band but i don't remember being this oh never mind okay i was about to say uh i was about to say something derogatory but it's okay i I don't i don't have like super fond memories of that time we have to remember okay so we went to school we went to two different because you went to ardrick hell right yes okay so that's an incredibly different universe than the durham schools here um the marching band kids did drugs that's what they did (laughs) i mean there were a few that i went I went to school with that. I'm pretty sure we're probably, you know, Drug. No, I'm not some talking stuff behind the the marching band truck or whatever it was. Uh, one of one of them who was also my friend in elementary school ended up was it meth or crack? I can't remember. <laughs> Either way, he was in jail for a while. Um, those were the band kids at my school. Um, so they were just they were just doing drugs and fucking because all the band kids <laughs> fucked each other too. It was weird. Um, but you know. The, it's the good mean to see girls it, bit of the like sexually experimental band kids kind dead of like, ass, more dead <laughs> ass that is exactly what it was but also like you know nice to see that the band kids even though they're fucking assholes it's a diverse friend group there's you know the clearly non-binary one there's yeah. you know there's you know girls and like black kids but also it's led of course by the very mean um 
spoiled white kid. They all they um, all seem very like gender androgynous, except for like that one main kid who seems like he would be like the bully in Karate Kid Six or something like that. Seriously, and basically the 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 whole town is kind of beating up on this Corey character, and the only seemingly the only people who are nice to him are Laurie Strode and her granddaughter who have also become scapegoats. I have to be honest, this is something I didn't understand of like the town now blames them for Michael Myers, which seems like a a sort of feat of internal logic that I didn't understand, but Um okay, so here's the thing. On one hand, the town of Haddonfield just seems like a a group of like really horrible people okay, which is, so is maybe a, we a, established that in the last movie that yes. they are but also at the same time um they're also stupid <laughs> we also established that in the last movie too um and then also i mean let's not pretend like america doesn't love some good victim blaming sure maybe they don't do it necessarily with like mass murders but they'll certainly like you know make sh- you know they certainly love blaming people for their own sexual assaults they certainly like you know and that that's kind of what like what was happening here because they were like you led michael on you teased him you brought him forward and it's like no the bus crashed right what maybe that's bus? why i was like what, what? bus crashed <laughs> it was just a funny a funny detail where i was just the whole movie like why is everyone so mean to them <laughs> um but in any case uh most of the movie actually becomes this sort of like on paper meant to be kind of twisted romance of laurie strode's granddaughter falling in love with this outcast in the town who at one point gets dragged after getting beat up by the band kids gets dragged into the sewer by none other than it's michael he's still alive at like 78 years old and he's hiding underneath the sewers in haddonfield and i guess michael like looks into his eyes and is like you got that killer instinct too and kind of becomes a like serial killer mentor to him genuinely thought i genuinely fucking thought for a second because i was sitting in the theater please keep in mind literally like legs up like this isn't happening i thought that michael transferred his soul into his body at first (laughs) and now i kind of wish he had but like i mean he technically he i mean not technically but like in a way he sort of did it kind of ignited that like hatred within him um but yeah i mean michael myers is literally the car from christine in this scenario Mm -hmm. i was literally sitting with my eyes pulled down like what the fuck is happening what is happening are we doing this (laughs) that that was the moment where you could kind of feel like there was a little bit of nervous laughter in the audience i was in and people being like that was the fourth. Oh uh, wait, in the road. is this really what the whole movie is going? Especially when it takes the turn and then basically, like you know, there's kind of a nugget of a good idea in this movie of like the town of Haddonfield is so cruel to this. Ki- you know, the town's sort of fear and paranoia of Michael ends up they they sort of end up acting it out on or unleashing it on this this twenty something who you know, was a part of this tragic accident and ends up inadvertently creating another Michael that ends up terrorizing them. Um, but I would say like 
I don't feel like that nugget of an idea is sort of executed in like as well uh, as as it thinks. But there is sort of a nervous laughter amongst there the audience is a of fork like, in the road. oh wait, are we? Is this really going to be like most of the movie is like Lori's daughter like on the or Nor- Lori's granddaughter on the motorcycle with him and not under as he's like being like weird creepy serial killer boy and Lori kind of being like he he's not good enough for you and then, um <laughs> that was that moment was the fork in the road for the movie where part of the audience went down the oh wow we're really doing this uh-huh really this sucks and then the other half me i wouldn't even say half i would say me went oh we're doing this <laughs> Oh, we're doing this. And I was down with it. I fuck. I again, again, gall, unmitigated gall. Mm-hmm. It, it nerve. I don't disagree. It is it it's, nerve. It's a wild swing because it's not, you know, the audience I was with, it's not giving them what like they're expecting from a Halloween movie. It's like you I say, would, doing something again, closer to like Christine and like, yeah. Oh, is the, the, the outcast boy slowly turning into the homicidal maniac it's literally like christine meets season of the witch meets like i don't know what i'm trying to think of another like movie around those lines but yeah it's very um because i remember reading like kind of coming up to this movie they're like yeah it's like a coming of age movie and i'm like shut the fuck up (laughs) but then i saw it and i was like technically it's not a hundred percent wrong like i don't know if i'd call it coming of age it's but it maybe definitely if you're had... coming into like your late 20s and early 30s is what these characters seem to be don't but... fucking read me like that <laughs> but yeah no um no but i do think that was kind of the turning point where like either you were with it with it or you were like rolling your eyes like completely mm. gone um i was with it i was enthralled um just because I, because at that point it was kind of one of those things where I really was like, I don't know what this movie's gonna do now. Mm. It's that sort of like, and it didn't end up being super crazy, but it no. gives it it I it just kind of ignites that sort of excitement in me that I get with movies like Malignant and Barbarian and such, where it's like this is so much different than I expected it to be. And, like, maybe it's not as effective in that way, but, oh, my God. Yeah, I may be, like, maybe part of my issue with it, which isn't even my biggest issue with the movie, is is maybe, like, as soon as that first confrontation Corey has with Michael and Michael lets him go, that's when kind of the wheels started spinning in my head of, like, oh, is this really just going to be, like, he's going to turn into the new Michael, and then there's this tension of Lori realizing, like, oh, my gosh, my granddaughter the boy I set her up with is actually like the new serial killer in town, which kind of ends up being what the movie turns into until Michael in his, you know, walking with his, his cane and his Walker, like ends up strutting back into the movie in like the last 15 minutes. It is very heavily about trauma, which is something I want, which is something I wanted to. It's about what? It's about trauma. 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 Should we establish a bit where every time one of us says trauma on this podcast, the other one then has to like repeat trauma back. Um, I will say, listen, listen, a, I was on that shit earlier than everyone else was because I was watching those Halloween interviews, but I wasn't memeing it because I was like, she just pronounces that word weird. I will say though, no one gives a better interview on this fucking industry than Jamie Lee Curtis. Her commitment is, is unparalleled. She comes in selling these movies. Do you want to know? Do you want to know where she sold this movie recently? 
Do you remember uh-uh. when she sold those recently? She was a guest on the reunion of season 12 of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills to sell this movie and her charity. Now, granted, it makes sense because Kyle Richards, who yeah, plays yeah, yeah. Lindsay, is on Real Housewives. So, like, they've known each other since they were kids. This is the first time she's ever shown up to a reunion, though. And I was like, damn, Universal has her fucking strapped in. I mean... <laughs> any every studio should just have like jamie lee curtis on speed dial to be like can you can you sell our movie hey for us? hey yeah i know you're not in this but like can you just you go on a bunch by. of talk shows so i mean look th- this is clearly like the theme that at least in the the build-up to these movies i think we can have like an an argument or a discussion about like how well this trilogy has really sort of like capitalized or like sincerely been about trauma but I mean, this has clearly been like the big selling point for these movies in the public is like the the these are sequels to Halloween, but they're sequels to Halloween that are really like about something. Um, and and I get the first movie. I would say I I don't really buy that as much as but but clearly see the other than seeing the appeal for Jamie Lee Curtis to come back and like return to Laurie Strode, but oh, Laurie Strode is like struggling with PTSD and that being sort of an interesting new dimension to add to that character, even though I would argue that like most of that first David Gordon Green movie is it's closer to something like Force Awakens. Like it's more of a sort of like loving tribute to the Carpenter movie. It is than... absolutely it is absolutely Halloween the Force Awakens, but also as someone who likes the Force Awakens, I don't complain about that. It's a good movie. I don't I don't it is. I don't, yeah. When I watched it recently, it I think because of the way that I view the trilogy now, when I mm. watch Halloween twenty eighteen, it has a little bit less of that, like a smidge less of that, like I don't know wonder to it but mm-hmm. i do think it's the closest that anyone has ever come to recapturing carpenter's take on halloween though yeah that's that's probably true and and then the movie last year you know i think we don't have people can go back and listen to our that thoughts was on the, it but that but, one was the worst one when it came to the trauma like because it ends with that like big kind of preachy speech from jamie lee curtis about how like we're all michael myers and it's all about society he, and the more he kills the more he transcends like that yeah. yeah like and then this feels like i'm, I'm it's like almost... actually no he can die it like it, it like actually no i promise like he is a man he doesn't transcend he's just some dude living in the fucking sewers well i was even gonna say like this feels like the movie that it's like oh now you actually made like the halloween movie that's about trauma and about communities with trauma and then me getting to the end of it and being like you know Maybe, maybe, maybe this is not really where I want this, this franchise to go. And, and I have no problem with like us exploring those topics in movies, but there is just something about like this, the sort of self seriousness of the, this movie. And maybe it's because like, there's, you and I have talked about this a lot of time. There's, there's such this hunger to, I think, put these kind of like important socio-political topics into all of our horror movies now and sometimes in ways that aren't necessarily organic like um one of my friends was texting me that he was watching is is it antlers was the movie that you like really went off about last year that was like <laughs> it's secretly about the opioid epidemic yeah um, it's really about the opioid epidemic also child abuse and like yeah. all of these different things and it's like oh my god wrap it up let me see some creature violence like yeah it was right. like a drama about the opioid crisis and like child abuse 
that had like a little bit of like like a, a creature feature in there. Yeah, and so I think what I'm getting at is like not necessarily that these subjects can't be a part of our our genre movies, but that there seems to be a trend of it getting sort of like injected into them in a way that kind of makes the movies feel a little pretentious about like, oh, you're only really adding this in for a sense of self-importance. And there is sort of like, you know, all the like, all the voiceover passages of uh, Lori reading her book and the sort of uh, second scene of the movie after the credits where it's like, Michael's terror lingered over the town. There was suicides. People looked for Michael everywhere. There was trauma everywhere. I, and, and even the ending of this movie, there's just something about like, this is really the movie that is the like, sit down with Dr. Phil on the couch. And like, we really made a movie about a community, the sort of aftermath of Haddonfield after these Michael Myers murders. Cause there's really not that much like Michael Myers, Halloween violence in this movie. There is, a, there is towards the end, but most particularly of movie, not compared to kills, which was just no. like, a, a, just a bloodbath. Or even that the that 2018 one where it's there's maybe it's maybe not a bloodbath, but there's a lot of like what you have in the original Halloween of him like stalking people, yeah, yeah, and of like oh is he like lurking in the shadows and stuff like that. This felt like oh we're really making the the PTSD trauma Halloween movie, and I kind of just found it dull, and it like reminded me a little bit of like the Jurassic Park movie that came out this year where it it felt a little like okay, you guys are almost overthinking this at this point or are, like, working so hard to sort of, like, pull something new out of this franchise while while simultaneously, like, losing the thread of, like, kind of what made this series captivating to begin with and that, that sort of fear and tension that's in the Carpenter movie and that sort of sense of someone lurking in the shadows and kind of this unstoppable shape and that's that's really what's kind of like the hook and the suspense of this series and it kind of just turning into this like i kind of felt like preachy therapy session in this most recent movie just sort of like kind of made me roll my eyes a little bit and i i was just sort of like it's not women talking like it's like I'll I will take I would rather have this conversation in a movie like that than us to try and like jerry rig a Halloween movie into being like this if that makes sense. I hear you. Uh huh. <laughs> that being said, trauma in horror films is not something that has started recently. No, I I I, I don't disagree with that. It's. <sighs> I don't think it's as bad in this one as it is in the other ones in the sense of like, or as it is in kills Mm -hmm. because yes, Jamie Lee Curtis has her, her little speeches, her little like evil takes the shape and I'll do you what the fuck ever. Um, It makes sense because it's being put into a, a bad book because all of those books are always fucking bad. Um, I don't know if they think it's a bad book. Everyone knows it's a bad book. Um, I can get that. I don't get, like, reciting a fucking speech to the dying sheriff or, like, deputy in his hospital bed at the end of Kills being, like, Mm -hmm. explaining the ethos of, like, Michael Myers. Um... I didn't find it to be that bad in this one simply because a 
I actually like I don't know. I feel like I connected to the trauma that like Corey had because it felt a lot more mm-hmm. direct in this one than like Lori's, which was like, bitch, you had 40 years to get your shit together. What the fuck are you doing? And then suddenly in the past four years, you're just suddenly like, oh, you know what? I'm actually fine. Maybe I'll take up baking. Yeah. Yeah. Not well, but. No, no. That pie looks uh, gross. Yeah. But, you know, I'm also not a huge pumpkin pie fan. That's just me. I'm more uh, of a pecan. I, you see, I, f- I can make a fucking good pecan pie uh when it comes to like uh like starches um mm-hmm. my family's a sweet potato pie oh awesome. yeah that is yeah. better than pumpkin pie it is so much better than pumpkin pie um yeah. but um there was just sort of like i don't know i get what you're saying and this one i didn't find it as noticeable or as like preachy because i also think this movie there isn't as much self-seriousness about this movie as there was with kills i feel like this one took itself a little bit less seriously had a little bit more fun with itself in the sense of literally just i think after kills got butchered critically i think they were just kind of like okay we got to do something different and maybe we can just kind of have fun with this one as opposed to again making like the third part of the night type of movie there's a part of me that makes me think like should they have done that? Like, there's a part of me where I was like, should you not have just made the entire trilogy that one day? But also on the other hand, no, you shouldn't have. Because I honestly, I think if they had done that, I would have just kind of gotten tired. Right. And all of that. I'm glad that they at least tried something different. I don't know that I would have been down for another just sort of like it's the remainder of the night kind of movie. I think a lot of horror, I think a lot of, a lot more horror movies than a lot of people like to give credit for are heavy handed when it comes to shit like this. It's just, they never got a press tour to talk about it and repeat the word trauma a million times. So where it's not hammered into people's fucking heads going into it. So, you know, when you go see, you know, Christine or some shit or Nightmare on Elm Street or, you know, like. It's a lot more. I I think what you're getting at is like it's it feels a lot more subtext in in a lot of other horror movies but maybe this movie maybe what I'm sort of bumping against for is it feels more like directly on the surface text and I like that in in a genre movie when it's more under the surface if that makes sense. Yeah. Um should we talk about the end? Oh, what were we talking about? Oh, the the end of ends. Okay. The end of end. The end Ends of the of end. end. Um, um sure yeah um this is where i wouldn't say the movie lost me but it was a little bit more just kind of like oh okay it's an interesting choice that we're making just going yeah. straight back to what we were doing before right where michael sort of re-enters the movie and has the face off with laurie strode yeah and then- i would have honestly liked it if like the whole fucking Corey thing went down and she like killed him and like the final thing was her realizing like taking off the mask and realizing like oh that's not him yeah he's still down there yeah like it's we don't of, know where he is he's still out there it sort of felt like a piece of the movie that is like shoehorned in there for we need this to feel like the the conclusion of a 
a whole iconic movie series even though let's be real this isn't the end of Halloween. well see that was the thing that surprised me of like the end when they quote killed michael and then i was like okay cool he'll come back he'll just like wake up or something and that'll be the end of the movie but then they fucking threw him in the industrial like shredder yeah i was like holy shit okay but I was really confused by that because I read an interview with Jason Blum where he was talking about how Malik Akkad, who is the rights owner to Halloween after his dad, Mustafa Akkad, owned it before, had a clause in the Blumhouse con- contract that says you cannot kill Michael Myers. He said that in an interview. Huh. And huh. I was like, interesting. But y'all just did that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but also Jason Blum has said that like it's not the last one. It's just the yeah. last one with Lori. But also at the same time, I would be interested to see them kind of take the Halloween name and start doing maybe kind of what they did with Season of the Witch, like making it sure. more just like fall esque Halloween focused anthology movies. Um But yeah, it was a little bit like I think like if they had taken maybe like five to ten minutes of the Corey storyline from the middle whittled that away and then added five to ten minutes to the end of Lori's, it would feel a little bit more balanced yes i it, will it say wouldn't that drag in the middle i think for for me as an audience of like some of that like riding on the back of the motorcycle stuff kind of you know lost my interest a little bit of like all right i know i kind of see the the pathway of where this is going can we kind of like hurry this up into getting a little bit more suspense in here i i can see that yeah that's fair um i'll be honest i had kind of uh, like a burst of laughter at just the the i guess funeral procession for michael when they sort of tape him to the or tie him to the top of the cop car and jamie lee curtis is like the community needs to see this and they're driving down the street and everyone's coming out of their house and doing yeah the, like, that was one serious thing, bitch, walk down the street you i like could f- out loud laugh you in the could theater. fucking in my neighborhood you could strap a dead body to the top of your car and drag that shit through the street and no one would fucking notice because we do not leave our homes i almost was like i don't know why this is the song i thought that that like i almost thought that they were gonna like the whole town walking down the street was going to sing like love is a battlefield for some reason i don't know why See, that i was thinking i was thinking uh uh i know where i've been from hairspray that march song <laughs> but honestly i was like okay i don't know how they're all out are we just cutting out the part where someone's on a fucking bullhorn going get the fuck up <laughs> also like how do they know evil actually dies tonight evil has already died (laughs) also like how do they know it's michael like if you just saw like a cop car driving down the street with like a body on top of it would you would you automatically think like that's michael myers or would you be like what the fuck is happening put the mask back on (laughs) put the mask back you can't do that you can't like you can't kill jason Voorhees and then take his mask off and then just drag a disfigured man through town they're just gonna be like what did you do to that physically <laughs> right, disabled man put the fucking mask back on i will say that that was a little like oh okay this is how we're doing that cool it was a little like we're laying we're really like laying this on thick uh of just like the community is gonna come out and we're we're gonna have a we fucking we fucking painted ourselves into this corner by calling this halloween ends when i'm noticing just kind of like anecdotally on like letterbox and twitter is like the people who are diehard fans of this franchise from the sense of like i just want to watch like michael myers like gut people like the people who probably loved halloween kills 
for just being a slaughter fest are kind of hate this movie but yeah. there's a there's maybe they're not as ecstatic or as positive as you but i'm seeing like a decent number of people on like letterbox that are like you know what i like that they at least tried and that they yep. at least like did something like very <laughs> very uh outside the box for this most recent halloween movie and it doesn't totally work but enjoyed it i think most of it works one. i'll go that far i genuinely will go that far to say most of this movie works I will go down with this fucking ship. Well, before we transition, I do. I am kind of curious to pick your brain of like Halloween is one of the the iconic movie horror movie franchises. What do you think is the best horror movie franchise? Ooh, like like the most like consistently good movies across the board. Ooh, ooh, that's tough because there's not many. Um, like that genuinely are consistent um because like nightmare on elm street has its low moments yeah i watched all of those last year and i think i only like two of them friday the 13th rarely has a high moment Um, okay hellraiser is not a great series uh halloween i mean halloween has some pretty good ones in there Halloween halloween and texas chainsaw i feel like are like Kind of as we said earlier, like there's a really high floor to ceiling ratio. Yeah, and then I mean, like, am I missing? I mean, I'm a big fan of the Final Destination series. Okay. Um, with the exception of um, with the exception of the fourth one, the fourth one sucks shit in hell. The rest of them are all quite good. Okay. Um, and then maybe like I don't know. Uh, Evil Dead's pretty pretty solid. I guess the that's board. true. I guess I don't. I guess I didn't think about that. Evil off the Dead's top, another one of those. Like, I like all of those. Evil Dead's another one of those movies where the first one like sets the scene. The second one does more of the same, but just a lot more of it. And then the third one is a rapid departure. Right. It's a very different thing. Uh, I mean, there's not as many in that one though. But yeah, I would say. I mean, honestly, my personal favorite, I would say Final Destination. Okay. It's just there there's a lot of creativity that goes into those movies that even in the bad ones you're just sort of like fuck you. And like that's just kind of like a fun fuck you but like still fuck you. Well, you mentioned Hellraiser. Um there is also a new Hellraiser movie out now that's available to watch. Is it on Hulu or Peacock? Hulu. On Hulu. It is and a Hulu I'm... original film which makes Pinhead a Disney princess. Wow. Who knew? Um you were a big fan of this movie. I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. I wanted to give you a chance to to sing its praise, and because uh, I I you like immediately texted like the group chat that we're in of like how much you loved it when you saw it, and I know it's from the same director who did probably your favorite movie of last year, The Night House. Probably. Um, when have I ever been? When have I ever been uh, vague about that? It is absolutely my favorite film of last year. Um, okay, yeah, Hellraiser. So let me set the scene with Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Uh, based Please do, because on... I know nothing about Hellraiser. Yeah. Like, I've okay. never seen any Hellraiser movie. Hellraiser. I know who Pinhead is, but I've, I'm like... Clive Barker hates the t- name Pinhead, which, like, I'm okay. sort of like, bitch, you made this. You, you created this monster, both literally and figuratively, so you kind of have to live with it, but... Clive Barker pre- prefers the term Hell Priest. 
Okay. Whatever. Okay, so Hellraiser, based on a novella by Clive Barker, um, The Hellbound Heart. Great novel. Great little story. Read it a little while ago. Really, really quite good. Um, and then that novella was made into Hellraiser, the movie, so they changed it from Hellbound Heart to Hellraiser. Clive Barker wrote the screenplay as well as directed it, and it was very low budget. Uh, made in England because the book took place in England, but the movie is shot in England, but they're all American with the exception of Julia, the main like bitch of the movie. Um, uh, and it's okay. There's a problem in the sense that like Clive Barker does is not a director. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of moments where it just kind of feels a little bit cheaper than it should be. And it's a very ambitious story um so like it's a really grand story having being having to be told in a really small scale with limited resources um great practical effects though very gross and goopy then there's hellbound hellraiser 2 which is a direct continuation of the first one not directed by clive barker a little bit better it's it's not great but like it's sort of like the aliens of the hellraiser universe everything after that sucks Okay. Um, because there's Hellraiser three, four. There's okay. Uh, there is one Hellraiser Inferno directed by Scott Derrickson. Actually, interesting. Um, better than the others, still not great. Uh, and then one in two thousand and five, uh, called Hellworld that has a baby Henry Cavill in it. Oh. Um. Yeah, he dies. Um. Oh. Yeah. Um. Not a good movie. That's one of the ones. That was the one where it was like evil goes online it was like you know the hellraiser meets Pin, like pinhead the matrix surfing the digital verse or something uh fun story pinhead wasn't in the movie that much because most of the movie was literally a virtual reality hallucination that lance henriksen as a rich man was putting on for these kids who were like video game obsessed it's a fucking weird movie um and then everything after that um so this was held by dimension films because new world pictures made the original then dimension took over once new world went under and dimension wanted to hold on to these rights so badly so the last two movies revelations and judgment were literally made solely for the point of keeping the rights horrid i never watched all of them i only seen bits and pieces of them but especially revelations just horrid the worst and those were also the only ones that doug bradley didn't play pinhead in so fast forward um everyone is doing remakes and reboots and all that and hellraiser comes up if i'm correct david gordon green is actually working on an hbo hellraiser reboot like a series interesting but uh before they could get to that the actual rights holders uh which after dimension went under because of the weinsteins um reverted to lantern entertainment which then reverted to spyglass um they decided to make a new one and hired david bruckner after his experience um with doing with premiering the night house at sundance bruckner has done other things before he did a couple vhs like movies and then also um the ritual which is a really fabulous british oh uh, i did not know he did that I i quite like that movie a lot it's very good yeah um and so, but David Bruckner is, has, like, a very nasty, like, vibe to a lot of his movies. 
but has since kind of become a little bit more of like art housey which is like i felt like the ritual was the first one that was like a bit of both and then the night house really went full into that like Mm-hmm. slow moving not very violent you know art house movie then hellraiser comes along and hellraiser is sick fucking nasty always has been it's gross it's out there it's super gory it's all about like the literally the politics of pain and like mm-hmm. experience and sensation that these uh that these demons called the cenobites offer these people who can solve or are simply in possession of this cube um uh that's a puzzle and there's different formations that offer them different things etc um this is really i think the first time that any filmmaker has had the opportunity and the time and the money specifically to actually expand on the universe in a way that was really meaningful and really felt like a genuine representation of Clive Barker's world. Because before then it was a mixture of when it was still in its early phases, it was low budget. And then by the time that it got to uh, the modern age, no one cared anymore. So now this is the first time that anyone has really like been able to look at it with a big scale um and i fucking hate that it's on hulu because this is a truly excellent excellent horror movie that uh is probably one of my favorite movies i've seen this year just because okay it is really it's beautiful and it's fucked up and it's got character actors you know i love some character actors uh mostly Hiamabas from succession i really love her and she's on this uh and it's quite fun um but it's a gorgeous film david bruckner can direct the fuck out of something a lot of people complain about the screenplay a little bit but i actually don't think it's that bad it does get a little bit trauma-y but mm. it's nowhere near a halloween movie by any means uh of that and then also jamie clayton who plays pinhead in this um there was a lot of trepidation at first just because uh it was lady pinhead and everyone was like oh pinhead's a lady now uh pinhead's not pinhead is a quote sexless figure and uh clayton really pulls that through wonderfully it is this like androgynous hypnotic uh like take on the character that i think is better than doug bradley's in the sense that like doug bradley was very deep voice out there very commanding while this pinhead speaks softer and and treads lighter because it knows that it doesn't have to be in your face Mm -hmm. it'll just fuck you up regardless and that's a bit scarier to me um yeah and it's also perfect too because again with the whole sexless figure thing jamie clayton is a trans woman um and uh it utilizes so clayton's voice i think is kind of artificially lowered a little bit but jamie clayton also naturally has a bit of a lower voice it's a bit more androgynous it is perfect um i wish i could have seen this movie in imax it's just like it's such a big screen experience that unfortunately has been sort of watered down by hulu um but the movie itself is not watered down um it's really fun it is two hours long i'll say that it's not um, that bad or or is not... it just you want like something a little leaner for a horror movie 
No, I think it actually is works for two hours long, but there's just been a lot of long horror movies lately. Mm. And uh, I think people will look at this and be like, "Ugh, it's over two hours after they saw something like Smile, which is also almost two hours, but Mm. um, way too fucking long. But also, who knows? I'm the only one who really didn't like Smile, so fuck it. Um, But yeah, this is just, it's, it's a really nice love letter to uh clive barker's universe and it brings in a really cool new star um odessa Azion also she's the main girl like the main like not demon she's the main human character mm-hmm. um daughter of pamela adlon she is gorgeous she looks like ali shocket asexually reproduced it's oh love her she was really cool too um there's just kind of like dark biting nature of her it's about you know kind of the nature of addiction and how other characters have gotten addicted to the pain in which that these demons are uh inflicting on people but also about actual like drug addiction as well it's quite quite good quite interesting really hard to watch at some points because it is really fucking violent um but it is that kind of like beautiful kind of poetic violence to it that i i just i couldn't look away from it's truly one of my favorite movies i've seen this year so watch it it's on hulu and you have about two weeks before you're outside the season that it's fully appropriate to watch it in all right are you gonna are you gonna stump for it any in in any of our critics awards um maybe some technical awards and maybe i mean again i haven't seen all of the awards movies yet because 919 isn't until next week so like I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. This is kind of a weak year, so I think this might be your yeah. year to like stump for something. Yeah, if like the box. if best supporting actress like isn't filled out too much, maybe I might throw Clayton in there. But um, okay, or maybe, but you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I don't know how much I'll stump for it in that sense of like best actress or any like best screenplay, but best direction i don't know again i have to see everything else before i can say anything definitive about it but i really connected with this movie there's a lot emotionally that goes on with this movie too that uh is very relevant to me at the moment and a lot of david bruckner's films do that for Mm -hmm. me particularly kind of the one-two punch of the night house mixed with this um that's a personal thing i'll talk about that at another time but uh yeah well, it's not a horror movie, but uh, there was a movie I saw recently this past week that I really wanted to talk about on this podcast. Um, it's slowly rolling out across the country. It is kind of firmly in the awards conversation, though. I would see. I, I would say it's in the awards conversation almost more than any other movie so far. I will be curious, though, of like how. I mean, I'm kind of disinterested in awards stuff at the, at this point, um, but I'll be curious of like what what you know, like the Oscar body makes of it because um, not, not exactly like a very huggable movie and a movie some people might find pretentious in places. I loved it. It's called Tar. It is the new film from uh, Todd Field, probably, I guess, best known as an actor. Like he had that memorable yeah. supporting performance in uh, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut yep. um, and then did two... Uh, I think really good movies in the early 2000s uh, in the bedroom, which was nominated for best Ooh, picture. And movie. L- Sissy little... Spacek is wonderful. In oh that my movie. God. She's so good. So um, good. And uh, little children, which might have my favorite Kate Winslet performance. And I think is low key hilarious. 
Um, it's hilarious, but also it is dark as fuck, though. Yes. I mean, the hilariousness is in sort like all the stuff with her and Patrick Wilson and like the candidness of their characters, I think is is so funny in that movie. I appreciate any I appreciate any filmmaker who does understand that Patrick Wilson is deeply attractive, though. What is is that just not obvious? Listen, some people don't get it. <laughs> Some people really don't get it, but like honestly, listen, I will give I will give Zack Snyder his props. <laughs> he understood that all I wanted to see was his ass in Watchmen, and he gave that to me. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, two two very good movies. Definitely a qu- a quality over quantity director. Yeah, I mean, from he hasn't what made. I've seen. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't made anything. I think he's done some acting, but like has not made a film since I guess Little Children was two thousand six um god that was 16 years ago oh my god yeah and this new movie of his it feels very i i I had never seen in the bedroom before so i rewatched that before i saw or i watched it before i saw tar and i rewatched little children and i think both of those are these kind of like you know there's they're domestic dramas essentially um and this new movie is something very very different much more ambitious um stars kate blanchett as a genius classical music conductor um sort of at the height of her power in the height of her fame there is a kind of funny i think if you're if you're sort of on the wavelength of a little bit of the satire sort of like this movie opens with like a new yorker profile kind of q a interview with her that that is is really leaning into like i think they showed that in the trailer a little bit yes it is it is i mean it's not i don't want to say it's like funny per se but like you i was on bar with kind of the right amount of like satire that field i think was playing with very acclaimed artist at sort of like just flaunting themselves at an event that a bunch of like you know liberal upper east side new yorkers would go to and pay like 80 bucks to see this person basically talk um it basically follows like the lead up to this ambitious performance that she's gonna do and her life and career slowly unraveling as a series of scandals begin to come to light and i just think i mean this movie will not be for everyone i think there will definitely be some people who will find it a little too cold maybe a little bit too pretentious in places maybe a bit too ambiguous in places i think one of the great things about this movie is it it leaves a lot open for interpretation and not open to interpretation in terms of like what unfinished what, right or what is not like a david lynch way of like oh what does this mean and sort of it it operating at like a dream logic and maybe things don't make sense, sense necessarily but in the sense of i think you can read into read a lot of different interpretations about what this movie is about i've seen it described as a post me too movie as a cancel culture movie I I don't really want to jump on those things too much. I mean, I think they're valid interpretations of the movie, but I think also kind of flatten it in a way of like what it is about. About to, to me, it was very clearly about like what what do we do with like complicated artists and like complicated artists who make groundbreaking work and the relationship between the artist's personal life and the work they put out and. How Azealia those... Banks. <laughs> Azealia Who? Banks. 
Who? You don't know who Azealia Banks is? No. Oh, you're straight. You fucking. Uh, Azealia Banks. Uh, Azealia Banks is a, an amazing rapper from Brooklyn who okay. is um genuinely one of the hardest people to root for. Unfortunately, because she is insane when she opens her mouth any other time oh uh, i mean i'll give the the basic straight white boy comparison of like i've been re-watching a lot of kubrick movies lately and there is the sort of like push and pull of like kubrick being this like has the reputation of being this Monster. very like yeah kind of commanding sort of dictatorial artist even though like i've been reading some stuff that's like oh maybe he was a little bit more collaborative than that you know perception leads itself to but also like um you know that knowing that about his the way he worked and the way he interact with people versus like how incredible a lot of what the they movies got still are it. yeah and this is and maybe part of the reason i love this movie so much is i'm someone who is fascinated by that dynamic and is constantly yeah. thinking about art and the people who make that art and the intersection between those two things and what i love so much about this movie is and found so captivating about it is it's not taking a side on that issue about what you're supposed to think about this, this sort of topic of conversation. It's actually more sort of like bouncing different arguments and counter arguments off each other and different contradictions and leaving you as an audience member to, to having to wrestle with what do you think about this character? Kate Blanchett is playing. What do you think about this sort of larger idea of like, can we separate the art from the artist and yeah. even even Kate Blanchett's character offers contradictions to that that message. Yeah. Um and I don't know, I just found it so fascinating and rich and hypnotic. Um I I went and saw it with Daniel Feingold who's been on the show and I I think it, he found it a little too long like it's almost 3 hours. Um but I I was just sort of like caught up in it the entire time and I mean Kate Blanchett is probably on a short list of like one of the three or four best actresses on the planet. I, I am not saying hyperbole with them. I would say like, this is the best she's ever been in a movie. And it's not like, I feel like it's being discussed a little bit in the sort of wider film community as this like thunderous Daniel day Lewis, there will be blood type performance. Like it's not, it's not blue Jasmine. It's not like Kate Blanchett as like a hurricane of intensity I think what I love about it is it's her very instinctually playing someone who understands how to maneuver through the world and get what she wants in very like passive aggressive and sort of like um, silent, confident ways of like mm -hmm. knows her status as an artist no is comfortable and understanding of the the sort of power dynamic she, she has knows over she's other the people. Shit. Yes, someone who knows they're the shit and knows that like they only need to kind of like you know slightly insinuate something or can say something merely suggestively and it's going to be they're going to get what they want. Yeah. And being able to portray that on screen and to be able to capture all of the contradictions of this character so subtly and beautifully i i was just this is the performance of the year in my opinion i think this is like near the top of my favorite movies of the year so far um like i said it will not be for everyone but it is the kind of movie that i am like very eager to recommend to people of like just just check it out 
even I mean, it's well worth seeing in a theater. It looks incredible. I I'm I'm like in love with the the production design and just level of detail in rendering. I know nothing about classical music, but Todd Field renders this world with such specificity from just like what people are talking about to just like that piece of furniture would most definitely be in this woman's home apartment. apartment. Yeah. Um, and like, I can't quite put my finger on why it's right, but that is definitely right. It's kind of how I feel about a lot of things with like Guadagnino's Suspiria, mm-hmm. where it's like, mm-hmm. I know nothing about this world of dance, but I get it. Yeah. I understand it by walking into this, uh, walking into this world and being able to have like this vision into this, uh, into this life that I know nothing about, it very quickly kind of takes you there. I love shit like that. I'm yeah. so excited for this movie. I It's not out he- where I am here yet. Focus Features hasn't done any screenings for uh, awards members, but um, the trailer, that not the most recent trailer, but that first teaser they put out, genuinely probably one of my favorite trailers of the year, if not my favorite trailer of the year. It's just... I've I've been sitting on my couch and just re-watching all of the various trailers and teasers I, for this movie this just, past week. Of, and like, when they're, you said, they're like, so good. <laughs> yeah, when you said, like, it's cold and it's distant and it's kind of hard to connect to, I was like, check, check, check. Those are all <laughs> things I fucking love. Like, I'm... I don't know. You know, I love, again, I love a Halloween kills of, or like Halloween ends of like slasher with not that many brains but like you know that just kind of like romp but i also love a deep ass cerebral dry drama particularly one that's a little self-referential about the arts yes i I love that shit and i love i mean who doesn't fucking love kate blanchett i mean (sighs) and i mean everything in the trailer looked amazing from her performance it looks like one of those like it's really ironic that she won her first oscar playing katherine hepburn because i do Mm -hmm. feel like she's one of the closest like equivalents to the power that like katherine hepburn has as an actress definitely and that just like strong like beautiful but also like very masculine and androgynous a little like intimidating but can be warm when needs to be yeah uh just this like regal presence that like can just demolish anything she's given even if it sucks because like Cape Cape Lynch has been in some not great stuff but like she's always she's always on top of even the shit that sucks and I think that's just you you just don't get that in many people it's like her and like Frances McDormand are Mm. like the ones that are like at this point you know in the viola davis even a little bit of just like oh yeah a trio of women that like if i just sort of like encountered them at a coffee shop like i would be like really nervous to be around and that there's just something about like kate blanchett just walking into a room in this movie of like she doesn't need to do or say anything but you're just like the the entire universe orbits this it's almost like a military type thing where like everyone stands up and salutes they don't but it feels like that yeah yeah i yeah they're they're the type of women that like again would scare me in a coffee shop but if they ever gave me a hug you know it would be the most like <laughs> you know it would be the best one ever because it's like oh they don't do this to anyone I but also the this. also the kind of person of like all they need to do is give you a hug and it's just like you're you will do anything but mm-hmm. like they, they have total control over absolutely over you yeah it's just that sort of it, it's commanding it literally yeah. is commanding like like you just said it's 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 a great presence that 
I mean, not very, very. Few. Oh, Angela Bassett also is another mm. one of those. Yeah. Where also just like enters a room and just like, cool, someone get me a coffee. Someone go like, you know, pick up my dry cleaning. Yeah. Do- yes, doesn't ma'am. even need to get a coffee. A person just like run, like an intern just runs up with yeah. a cup of coffee yes, ma'am. Like, without even saying it. Yes. Yes, Miss Bassett. Yeah. Is there anything and- else I can do for you today? <laughs> and. And this is, I mean, like, to very vaguely tie it in with the other horror movies we've been discussing, like, there, there is a little bit of, like, psychological horror elements in this movie of, like, Blanchett is also, like, writing some piece. And there's, she is, she is just as much sort of, like, unraveling mentally inside her head as these other, like, scandals are slowly popping Tortured up. Tortured artist. Yeah. Uh. And and I love how like the last thing I'll say is like I love how the scandal of the movie is never sort of like fully made explicit. <gasps> I um, love that. It's, oh, that's great. It's it's kept like it, you, you it's sort of revealed in sort of little droplets and but it's it's left sort of like clear but also like vague enough to where like you could kind of feel like I, I'm so fascinated to talk about this movie with people. Like once more people get to see it, because like, I'm sure even people will have differing interpretations on like, well, is the scandal real or is it made up of like the movie? Never or even is it really, even that bad? Right. The movie only gives you sort of like small hints oh, and droplets. Cause you're so firmly in the, like so the viewpoint excited. of Blanchett's character that like you are even left to wrestle with like, what is it? What even is it that she did? And like, I'm this sure I have end. different interpretations about like what she did versus like other people who saw it. Um, it's just, it's just a really like the this more I've been thinking about war. it. <laughs> it, Ugh. I mean, it, it really is the more I've been thinking about it the last several days since I saw it, the, the more I've loved it of like, it, and I'm like so excited to see it again. Like once did it's you, fully out in theaters. Um, did you hear? So obviously, so they're putting out, uh, a release of the score, the Hilda Griffin daughter score. But did you see? But did you see that they're putting out an album of the Lydia Tarr album of <gasps> like the release that Hilda Griffin daughter wrote in its entirety as well? What I know, I again, I haven't heard. <laughs> this any- is going to become my new like. I got to really music. like crank. Yeah. My new, like, I really got to crank through this edit at work. Music. That's me. That's going to be me with uh, the Banshees of an Sharon score. Also great. Also, also great. great. Yeah. Um. No, I I saw that and I was like, oh, I haven't listened to any of this yet, but I know it's already major because I love her. Yeah. She like even like I didn't even know that in, she did the score. Oh, man, that explains. But is so it one much. of those things that makes sense now? Yeah. It makes yeah. so much sense. I'm now. so I'm so excited for this movie. It looks so good. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk with you again on the. I, I'm sure th- this is a movie we're going to be like talking about. I'm just going to give the listeners warning, like. For months and months, I think, yeah. I'm sure, like, any guests I'm going to have on, if they've seen this movie, we're going to talk about it in some way. I I have to imagine, regardless of how the movie does otherwise, the the Blanchett performance is, like, I mean, that's going to be my best actress pick for when I... It's what I'm seeing most people saying. It's, like, it's either... A lot of people are saying either it's Blanchett or, like, yo. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's... Oh, gosh. Well, yeah. that's going to be, I mean, I'm pretty firmly in the camp of like, when I do my voting, it's going to be feral for, for actor, but like, oh, I thought you meant it's going to be feral as in like F E R A L. 
no, no okay no. colin farrell okay colin cool farrell. yeah my yeah, irish lord colin farrell fabulous god irish people are so cute i wish they were real um uh, you saw that movie recently too right i did i really enjoyed it i it's really, so really funny liked that. it is but also like so sad and and like tara movie that like i've I like the more that I've thought about it. Like I enjoyed it, it in the theater, but then like yeah. really well of like I both get where Brendan Gleason's coming from, but also at the same time, shut the fuck up. Uh, like just be this man's friend. <laughs> well, Hunter, as always, it was a delight to have you on this episode. Thank you, thank you. It was lovely. Tune in next week on the latest as we'll be discussing um in a very different chain of events we'll we'll be talking about black adam the the dc comic book movie starring dwayne johnson that i also saw this week um and we'll be talking about um the julia roberts george clooney movie that's also Ooh, just like right around the corner lovely yeah that looks like a fun time it does i mean I, you really I just like can't. hanging out with those people i'm gonna say you can't go wrong with them it's like yeah. them and like caitlin deaver's in it and like you know which i just found out that it's not Dever, it's deaver oh uh because she was on tiktok promoting rosalind uh, which i still haven't watched either i haven't either she's like so yeah i also thought it was rosaline so i got like schooled twice i was like not only am i pronouncing her last name wrong i'm pronouncing her new movie wrong great um but yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with them. Even if like, even if it's not, even super if it's mem- not great, it'll be fun. That chemistry is already there. Yeah, you don't have to explain that. No, no. So, 